Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, my friend? You are listening to Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen. And today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. Since OpenAI released ChatGPT to the public back in November of 2022, it seems like everybody and their mamas are talking about how many jobs will be lost because of AI automation. I've also heard lots of discussions related to the dangers of malicious actors using AI to scam people even more efficiently. And there are also questions about what human beings are going to do when the majority of both physical and analytical tasks are being done by artificially intelligent robots. Yes, it seems that we're witnessing the early stages of another cultural and technological, technological, can't talk this morning, another cultural and technological revolution and that many people around the world are seeing the glass as half empty. But in this episode, I'd like to help you look on the bright side and realize the absolutely incredible opportunity that's presented itself to us in the form of this truly impressive technology. Now, the first clip I'm going to play for you today is of a man named Tiago Forte. And I look at this name and it looks Portuguese to me. And I don't know if you experience this now that you speak more than one language, but like when you speak the language from which the name comes, do you pronounce it the way a native would pronounce it? Or do you pronounce it the way people who speak your language would pronounce it? You know, because I would say Tiago Forte or Tiago Forte. But Americans, I think, would say Tiago Forte. And I don't know how he pronounces his name. And I guess that's not important, right? It has nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> so let's continue. The first clip I'm going to play is from a man named Tiago Forte. And Forte is the founder of Forte Labs. And he aims to help people organize their digital lives and unlock their creative potential. Now, in this clip, Tiago is going to talk about something he calls the digital divide which is essentially the gap between people who will choose to adapt to the ever-changing digital landscape and those who won't. So let's check it out. We're living in an age where technology 
is becoming so incredibly powerful that it's not just like having a slightly better car or a slightly nicer house. These days, the divide is between people who are using technology to become almost superhuman. Think about someone who has mastered how to use a computer, who can connect to anyone in the world, can access any piece of knowledge they want, has taken dozens of online courses on any topic you can imagine, and the divide between that group and everyone else who doesn't have those advantages just gets wider and wider. The average person with a personal computer connected to the internet has resources, informational resources, that the President of the United States did not not have even just 20 or 30 years ago. And they're using those resources. They're using them to become even better, even faster, even richer. I think that's the main reason the divide is getting worse is simply the compounding advantages on this side of the divide that aren't available to everyone else. All right, my friend. Now, before we continue, let me go back. We're going to listen to the clip again, and I'll explain the key words and phrases to make sure you understood the main idea. All right. So let me go all the way back. Let's do it. We're living in an age where technology is becoming so incredibly powerful that it's not just like having a slightly better car or a slightly nicer house. These okay, so the first thing I want to explain is the, the term or the word, <laughs> the word age, because typically when you think of age, you think of I'm 35, she's 62, he's 13. You think of a person's age, but we also use this word to describe periods of time, right? So for example, the industrial age brought about significant changes to the way people worked and lived, or we're living in an age where technology is advancing at an unprecedented pace. It just means a period of time. Okay. So let me go back to what he said. We're living in an age where technology is becoming so incredibly powerful that it's not just like having a slightly better car or a slightly better house. And slightly, just in case you don't know, it means kind of, more or less, to a small degree. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit better. For example, she was slightly nervous before her big presentation. She was kind of nervous, a little nervous. You know what I mean? Or another example, the coffee was slightly too bitter for my taste. Now, this is a little bit I mean, I don't know if I would say it's formal, but it's a little more on the formal side of the spectrum, let's say, because I could also say the coffee was a little bit too bitter for me, and it will be the same thing. So the coffee was slightly too bitter or a little bit too bitter, and to me, those are the same, all right? And then he, he ends by saying, these days, the divide between people who are using technology to become almost superhuman. And you, that might be obvious to you, but superhuman is typically used to describe just something that's incredibly powerful. Like you might have superhuman strength, which means you have the power of like a superhero. You know what that means, right? I don't need to explain that. All right, so let's continue, my friend. Let me go back a few seconds. Like having a slightly better car or a slightly nicer house. These days, the divide is between people who are using technology to become almost superhuman. Think about someone who has mastered how to use a computer, who can connect to anyone in the world, can access any piece of knowledge they want, has taken dozens of online courses on any topic you can imagine. And All right, so right there, I want to stop and explain the word dozens. A dozen, D O Z. E-N-S, or that's dozens, plural, but one dozen is a group or set of 12. 
And we typically use this word just to say a lot, a lot of something countable. Like, for example, she had to bake dozens of cupcakes for the school fundraiser. We're not literally counting in groups of 12. It's just something that we say to express the fact that it was a lot of cupcakes. It was a lot more than 10. It was a lot more than 20. It might not be hundreds, but it's certainly more than like 10 or 20. It's dozens of them, 40, 50, 60, 70, dozens of cupcakes, right? Or you might hear somebody say, there were dozens of people waiting in line for the new iPhone. And just as an aside, isn't it fucking insane that there are literally people who even today will stand in line outside of the Apple store waiting to buy an iPhone that's almost identical to the one that came out last year, bro? (laughs) Anyway, there are dozens of people. Let me go back to what Tiago said. People who have taken dozens of online courses on any topic you can imagine. So he just means a bunch of online courses, many, many, many online courses on any topic you can imagine. All right, let's continue. To anyone in the world can access any piece of knowledge they want, has taken dozens of online courses on any topic you can imagine, and the divide between that group and everyone else who doesn't have those advantages just gets wider and wider. The average person with a personal computer connected to the internet has resources, informational resources, that the President of the United States did not have even just 20 or 30 years ago. All right, so just in case that idea he just expressed wasn't clear, he said the average person with a personal computer or a cell phone, actually, connected to the Internet has resources or informational resources that the president of the United States didn't have even just 20 or 30 years ago. I don't know where he got this idea, but this is something I hear Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk talk about all the time. He's constantly reminding people that the cell phone, the smartphone we have in our pockets, is more powerful and has access to more information than the computer that the president of the United States had less than 30 years ago. Like, that's a big fucking deal to be walking around with a piece of technology that's more powerful than the most powerful person in the world had 20 or 30 years ago. And I know the president is not even close to being the most powerful person in the world, but you get the point. You get the point. Is the pres the leader of the free world just 20 or 30 years ago didn't have something as powerful as what you have in your pocket right now. And there are people who are using those resources, right, to become even better, even faster, and even richer. And there are people who are not. And that's what this clip is about, I believe. All right, so let's continue. Resources, informational resources that the president of the United States did not have even just 20 or 30 years ago. And they're using those resources. They're using them to become even better, even faster, even richer. I think that's the main reason the divide is getting worse is simply the compounding advantages on this side of the divide that aren't available to everyone else. So the last thing I want to explain was compounding advantages. The definition of this term is It's referring to the benefits or advantages that accumulate over time, resulting in a greater advantage in the future. So when you think about like um, investing money over time, your investments will grow exponentially, meaning the return on that investment will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over time because the interest on your investment is compounding. It's like multiplying on itself exponentially, growing incredibly quickly or incredibly quick, I should say. So if you think about somebody who is educating themselves constantly, listening to podcasts and taking online courses and reading interesting books, 
learning all that they need to go out into the world and achieve what they want to achieve, those people will see a compounding advantage or will gain a compounding advantage over time in comparison to the people who just sit around scrolling on TikTok or watching Netflix all day. You'll also see a compounding effect, but on the negative trend, right? Things will get worse and worse for you if you keep doing that. But people who keep investing in themselves and their education, their communication skills, their reputation and everything like that, you might not see a huge change today. But if you do a little bit every day over the course of months or years, the advantage that you'll gain will quickly just shoot up. Like if you've ever seen on a graph where the line will be going more or less horizontally, and then all of a sudden it looks like a hockey stick. It just curves almost directly upward. That is like a, where the compounding advantage kicks in. That's where the exponential growth kicks in. So maybe I'm over explaining this, but the idea is that by every day focusing on what's really important, and using these powerful resources you have at your disposal, even if not today, over time, the distance between you and the people who are just choosing to waste time will get so big, so vast, so wide, that they won't even be considered your competition anymore. You know what I mean? To me, that's uh, the idea when he's saying these, what did he say the words? Hold on. I think this is the main reason the divide is getting worse. Is simply the compounding advantages on this side of the divide that aren't available to everyone else. I think that's what he's saying. So in summary, although there will definitely be some negative effects of AI automation, we also have to look at the glass as half full and realize that tools like ChatGPT are truly a blessing in disguise, man. I mean, just think about how much time you'll save by not having to do the same repetitive tasks you've been doing for years. Think about how easy it'll be to get access to quality information and find the answer to your question. Not a list of possibilities, but the answer. How much easier it'll be to start, promote, grow, and operate your own business from anywhere in the world with just a computer and a good internet connection. How much faster and easier it'll be to connect with people around the world. On a daily basis, I'm talking to people on all continents, man. For free. It's the internet. It's for free. Anybody can do it. You can learn languages. You can start businesses. You can make all kinds of connections that, and that just wasn't possible 30, 40 years ago. You couldn't talk to somebody on the other side of the planet for free less than 50 years ago. Your parents as children couldn't do that, but your children are going to grow up doing that. That's insane, man. Think about how much easier it'll be for people who want to start their own media companies, for example. You can buy a decent microphone, a mixer, a recorder. You can use your phone as your video camera and make movies. You can make podcasts. You can make articles. You can write your own books. All of this with nothing more than a cell phone. And if you got a computer, even better. So the way I see it, artificial intelligence is a blessing to those who can remain open-minded and learn how to use it to their advantage. And it's a death sentence to those who ignore it and refuse to accept the fact that things are changing in a big way. Now, I'm obviously not qualified to talk about the future of AI, but for now, this is how I choose to think about it. And now, my friend, before we continue, I've got to ask you for a favor really quick. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to support my work with a few dollars a month, then consider signing up for a monthly subscription on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that enables creators to receive support from their audiences with a monthly subscription in exchange for exclusive benefits and bonus content. So when you subscribe to my Patreon, 
you'll get access to new episodes months in advance, a vocabulary guide with every episode so you can understand all the advanced words and expressions, and you'll get access to bonus episodes only available to my supporters. So if that sounds interesting to you, just click the link in the description of this episode and sign up. It'll only take a few minutes. All right. Now, in the next clip I'm about to play for you, you're going to hear a woman named Fina Jana, or at least that's her screen name on her profiles. I'm not sure that's her real name, but she's going to speak about a hypothetical time period called the age of imagination. It's really interesting. All right, let's check it out. So the imagination age is a hypothetical time period where the economy is driven mainly by creativity rather than information. The idea is that the rise of user-generated content, virtual spaces, and hyper-reality will shift culture towards a society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work done by artists, designers, and creative generalists, more so than analytic work, which has been the most economically valued skill to cultivate within the information age. I made a longer YouTube video about our shift from the industrial age to the information age and what this imagination age can possibly be, so go check that out. But this is a pretty recently developed concept slash terminology that was coined around the 90s during the digital revolution. The industrial revolution was all about building machines that could automate physical labor and the digital revolution was all about developing machines that could speed up mental labor. So the idea is that when machines become faster and smarter than people, which they kind of already have, Creativity and imagination will become the primary commodities of this time period because everything else can be done better by machines. This is a relatively hopeful outlook of the future where technology is supporting humans and allowing us to focus on more creative tasks rather than taking over society and leaving people behind because their existence is no longer profitable. But I don't know, this seems like a really positive way to look at societal structures and it seems kind of far-fetched to me at the moment, but maybe I'm just not imagining it with an open mind. What do you think? Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, my friend, I know that clip was a bit longer than usual. It was almost two minutes, but we're still going to go all the way back to the beginning, and I'll explain a few keywords and phrases just to make sure you get the whole idea. All right, let's do it. So the imagination age is a hypothetical time period where the economy is driven mainly by creativity rather than information. Okay, so the main idea here is that the imagination age or the age of imagination, it's the same thing, is a hypothetical time period where the economy is driven mainly by creativity. So hypothetical 
let me get the dictionary definition based on or involving a hypothesis conjectural it basically just means not real we're just thinking about it in theory this is what it would be like it's not a real time period it's just hypothetical we're just thinking about it imagining it you know what if the economy were driven by creativity and then we talk about it so we're talking about this hypothetical time period i hope that makes sense and so then she says it's a time period where the economy is driven mainly by creativity so driven in this case is a word that we use to say motivated or determined by so if the economy is driven by creativity it means that the result of the economy or the way the economy is going is almost completely determined by this thing so in this hypothetical time period creativity would be the thing that keeps the economy going that gives people jobs that sells products that make sure the economy doesn't crash rather than information because in the past or up to this point it has been information so and then one thing i want to explain well or as well was rather than because she's saying it's a time period where the economy is driven mainly by creativity rather than information and this is a really common thing to say when we're when we're talking about our preference preference between two things so it's driven by creativity rather than information that's the same thing as saying the economy would be driven by creativity instead of information i would say rather than you could argue it's a bit more formal than instead of i guess you could argue that and I probably say instead of more than rather than in most cases, but you can use either one in any context and they're both fine, just so you know. All right, so let's continue. Driven mainly by creativity rather than information. The idea is that the rise of user-generated content, virtual spaces, and hyper-reality will shift culture towards a society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work done by artists, designers, and creative generalists. All right, there's a lot to explain there. I'm going to break that down even into even smaller pieces. Let me go back to, hang on. Yeah, is that the rise of user-generated content. Exactly. So the rise of user-generated content. The rise is an expression that refers to an increase in amount, number, or level. So the rise of AI means the increased use of AI or the rise of user-generated content. She's referring to the large increase in the amount of user-generated content that's available on the internet. So the idea is that the rise of user-generated content, virtual spaces, hyper-reality, and apparently hyper-reality is an environment that is more immersive or intense than reality hyper-reality. I've actually never heard that until I watched this video. Let me play it again. User-generated content, virtual spaces, and hyper-reality will shift culture towards a society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work. Okay, so she said this hyper or the rise of user-generated content, virtual spaces, and hyper-reality will shift culture. And to shift something in this context means to move it or change it or take it to a different place. So if something shifts culture, it causes a change in culture. So we go from, and she said, towards a society that monetarily values imagination work, right? So if culture shifts from valuing information 
to valuing creativity, it means that the rise in this user-generated content is the thing that causes that change in what we value. I hope that makes sense. But then she says, it'll shift culture towards a society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work. So monetarily is just referring to money or currency. So she's saying that society as a whole will start to pay more money or monetarily value quote-unquote imagination work. Let me play it again. A society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work. So when she says quote-unquote, this is something that's really common in uh, the English language when we're speaking at least. And it's just referring to... Let me read the explanation I put here one second. Used to indicate that a word or phrase being used is not necessarily true or appropriate. So a society that monetarily values quote unquote imagination work. When she says quote unquote, it's almost like I don't know exactly what to call it. So let's just call it imagination work. It's so-called imagination work. And quote unquote is referring to the, the quote marks that you put around a specific term or something that somebody said. Um, this probably won't be helpful to everyone, but if you speak Portuguese, it would be entre aspas. And I think Spanish, you say entre comillas, but I'm not 100% sure about that. I hope that helps. Sorry to everyone else who doesn't speak those languages, but you can subscribe on Patreon, get access to the vocabulary guide, read what I'm talking about, see the examples, and hopefully it'll become more clear. And you can and should listen to this episode more than once. So. I hope that was helpful, but let's continue, all right? Monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work done by artists, designers, and creative generalists, more so than analytic work, which has been the most economically valued skill to cultivate within the information age. Okay, one more thing I wanted to explain there was creative generalists. She said that a society that monetarily values quote-unquote imagination work done by artists designers, and creative generalists. And a generalist is a person with a wide range of knowledge or skills in many different fields, rather than, or instead of, or as opposed to having specialized knowledge in one particular area. So a specialist is somebody who has specialized knowledge in one particular field. A generalist is somebody who has a wide range of knowledge in many different fields, but they're not necessarily a specialist in any one of those fields okay so a creative generalist is somebody who just does a bunch of different creative stuff they're not necessarily a painter or a, a pianist or a, a songwriter i don't know some type of artist that only does one thing they do a bunch of creative stuff because they're just generally creative people so she said they'll be doing more of this more so than analytical work which has been the most economically valued skill to cultivate within the information age. So again, the main idea is that in this hypothetical time period called the age of imagination, people will value creative work, the stuff that artists and designers and software engineers and creative generalists do, as opposed to analytical work, the stuff that data analysts and accountants and stuff like that. We don't necessarily need people to do this work when artificially intelligent robots can do it in seconds you know you might need humans to control the robots obviously but the point is still that the value of that work being done by a human drastically will decrease and the value of creative work will increase drastically that's the main idea that at least 
I took away from it, all right? So let's continue. I made a longer YouTube video about our shift from the industrial age to the information age and what this imagination age can possibly be. So go check that out. Okay, the last thing she said was go check that out. And to check something out basically just means to look at it or investigate further, right? So I might tell you, check out my new ebook. The link is in the description. I'm saying go look at that. Go learn more about it. Go check it out. It's a very, very common thing to say. All right. I think that was it from this part. Let me go back a few seconds and we'll continue. Age to the information age and what this imagination age can possibly be. So go check that out. But this is a pretty recently developed concept slash terminology that was coined around the 90s during the digital revolution. The okay, so... Here it's funny because I was preparing the vocabulary guide for this episode and I highlighted slash terminology, but that's not what she said. Now I listening to it again, she said a recently developed concept slash terminology. It's three separate words and none of them are combined for a singular term. So concept slash terminology, what that means is if you think about the way somebody writes, you have the word concept and then a backslash and then terminology. So it's saying like half concept, half terminology. It's this slash that. It's this and that. So this is a pretty recently developed concept and or terminology that was coined around the 90s during the digital revolution. And the word coined in this case, it means to create or invent a new word or phrase. So this new concept was coined around the 90s or this new terminology was coined or created or invented around the 90s during the digital revolution. All right, let's continue. Terminology that was coined around the 90s during the digital revolution. The industrial revolution was all about building machines that could automate physical labor, and the digital revolution was all about developing machines that could speed up mental labor. All right, two things. The first one is labor. It's just another word for work, but typically physical work. And you can see she said physical labor. Labor is not always physical, but typically when we use that word, it's because you need to make some kind of physical effort. It's very difficult. It's not like analytical work. I would never say analytical labor. Like it would make sense, but I just wouldn't say it. I just wanted to make that clear. So labor is work, basically. And then she said the industrial revolution was about building machines that could automate physical labor. And the digital revolution was all about developing machines that could speed up mental labor. And to speed up just means to increase in speed, accelerate, right? Increase the rate or pace of something. So the industrial revolution wanted to speed up physical labor and the digital revolution wanted to speed up mental or analytical labor. All right, let's continue. physical labor and the digital revolution was all about developing machines that could speed up mental labor. So the idea is that when machines become faster and smarter than people, which they kind of already have, creativity and imagination will become the primary commodities of this time period because everything else can be done better by machines. Okay, so She's saying the idea is that when machines become faster and smarter than people, creativity and imagination will become the primary commodities 
A commodity is, well, according to the dictionary, a commodity is a raw material or primary agricultural product that can be bought and sold. But these days, I hear the word commodity used to describe something that is easily produced and or found in the market. For example, a cheeseburger is a commodity. It's not a rare item that's hard to find or hard to produce or super expensive. You can find them everywhere. There's a restaurant on every street corner. You can walk in and get a cheeseburger because it's a commodity. It's common, right? Or shoes or t-shirts or candles or sunglasses. These are not revolutionary, incredible, precious, rare things to be found in the market. They're everywhere. They are common. They are commodities. I really hope that makes sense. So in this case, I'm not exactly sure what she means to say with commodities, but if I look at the sentence again, the idea is that when machines become faster and smarter than people, creativity and imagination will become the primary commodities of this time period. What I understand from that sentence is that they will become the primary, let's say, I guess you could say product or the primary things driving the market forward, the primary things that people are wanting to buy or pay for or use in the marketplace. As opposed to information, it will then be, or in the future, it would be creativity and imagination. Those will be the primary things that people value in this time period. So I hope I didn't really confuse you with the word commodity because I guess depending on the context or what the individual means to say, the idea can change slightly. But hopefully now, what she means to say is a bit more clear. Okay, so let's continue. Will become the primary commodities of this time period because everything else can be done better by machines. This is a relatively hopeful outlook of the future where technology is supporting humans and allowing us to focus on more creative tasks rather than taking over society and leaving people behind because their existence is no longer profitable. That's fucking depressing. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> their existence is no longer profitable. Jesus Christ. So there's a couple of things I want to explain. The first one is outlook. This is a relatively hopeful outlook of the future. And an outlook is just somebody's point of view or general attitude towards something. So this is a relatively hopeful view of the future or perspective on the future where technology is supporting humans and allowing us to focus more on creative tasks rather than taking over society and leaving people behind. And this might be basic, but just in case you don't know what that means, to leave people behind just means to not include them or involve them in what's happening. So you can imagine the world and society moving forward and a few people get left behind in the past, in the old way of doing things. They get uh, forgotten, let's say, because their existence is no longer profitable. Jesus, dude. So there's two things there. No longer is a common way of saying not anymore or not at the present time. So let me rephrase that sentence to make the point. They're saying instead of leaving people behind because their existence isn't profitable anymore or because their existence is no longer profitable. That's the same exact thing. And profitable, just in case you don't know, is like uh, producing financial returns, gains, or benefits. So if a business is profitable, that means it's making money not losing money because there are some businesses who have expenses that are so high and a revenue or income that's so low that every month the business is losing money. It's not profitable. Or 
the level of expense and the level of revenue are equal, so they are breaking even, which means they're not making money or losing money every month. They break even. They end the month with the same amount of money they started the month. Hopefully that makes sense. But if your revenue is much higher than your expenses every month, you are keeping the difference between those two numbers, and that's your profit, and that means the business is profitable. Or lucrative is another word that's a bit less common, but it really means the same thing. This business is very lucrative. It makes us a lot of money. This business is extremely profitable. It makes us a lot of money. It's the same thing, okay? So let me go back a few seconds and we'll continue. The tasks rather than taking over society and leaving people behind because their existence is no longer profitable. But I don't know, this seems like a really positive way to look at societal structures and it seems kind of far-fetched to me at the moment. Okay, so she said, I don't know, this seems like a really positive way to look at societal structures. And that just refers to the structure of society, the way things are organized or arranged in society. And then she says, it seems kind of far-fetched to me at the moment. And far-fetched, let me spell it for you, F-A-R hyphen F-E-T-C-H-E-D, far-fetched, it's one word. Far-fetched means unlikely to be true or unlikely to be practical. So this idea seems kind of unrealistic. It seems like maybe it won't ever realize itself in the future. It seems like it's kind of off in the clouds. Maybe I'm dreaming a little bit. It's kind of far-fetched. It's really far away and hard to grasp or comprehend or internalize or believe. But maybe I'm just not imagining it with an open mind. That's what she's saying. So let me play that again. But I don't know. This seems like a really positive way to look at societal structures. And it seems kind of far-fetched to me at the moment. But maybe I'm just not imagining it with an open mind. What do you think? I wonder why they put that fucking sound at the end of all tiktok videos why do they do that anyway my friend let me summarize this for you we can look back at our history and remember the agricultural revolution then the industrial revolution and then the digital revolution now that physical tasks will be done by machines and analytical tasks will be done by automated software it's possible that pure creativity will be one of the most valuable assets in society when everyone has access to the same machines and software, one of the only things that will differentiate people is the way in which people use the machines and software to create things and solve problems. The same way anybody could make a cheeseburger, but it's the way in which your favorite restaurant prepares a cheeseburger that keeps you going back to them instead of their competitors, right? Now, if you've already heard episode number 14 of this podcast, then you might remember me saying something similar about your reputation and your communication skills. When everyone can write a cover letter, a resume, or an email using ChatGPT, the only things that will differentiate potential employees from one another will be their reputations and their communication skills. So if you want to stand out in a world where it's no longer about what you know, and instead about what you can imagine, then you've got to get creative.